From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Uh, Jeff Bookbinder here, uh, back in the saddle after after some time off. Glad to be back with you. I'm pleased to be joined by Adam Turnquist, our chief technical strategist, uh, for a really good discussion today. We're going to certainly talk earnings, uh, and we're going to you know talk through some charts, and and I think generally a positive message. So, uh, Adam, thanks for joining me today. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. All good after a little bit of a long weekend, minus some disappointment in football this weekend. But how was your weekend? Yeah, it was really good. Thanks. We um, we had a birthday party for my younger daughter, which was a lot of fun. Uh, she she loves gymnastics, and so we uh, we rented out her gym, and uh, she just got to run around with her friends and do back handsprings. So fun time, fun time. So sorry about your your Vikings, but hopefully you had a good weekend uh, otherwise. Yeah, it was a, a tough loss, but kind of expected as a Minnesota sports fan here. So I get it. I get it. I have family in the Twin Cities and uh, have been following the disappointments for <laughs> probably at least a couple decades there. Yeah. But hopefully, um, hopefully their time will come soon so yeah i'll be i'll be rooting um so uh let's start with a quick recap of last week's market action adam and then we'll get into earnings and and some charts so right. uh, the um i think you know it's clear that the market cares more about inflation than anything else so clearly cpi was the focus for last week but we had the bank earnings on friday uh and then um you know some headlines about china reopening some debate about whether that's going to be good or bad, frankly, because it could be inflationary, but it's also a driver of growth. Uh, and then lastly, um, had a um, a nice uh, rebound in consumer sentiment. So uh, the University of Michigan Consumer Confidence uh, Index was up five points from December to January. So that was certainly encouraging. Uh, you know, the bank earnings weren't great, uh, but they were good enough for a little bit of a uh, a move higher in stocks on Friday. Actually, that was the fourth straight positive day, uh, which led to a really strong week. So here are the um, global equity market returns for last week. Adam, we got you know 2.7% gain in the S&P 500, uh, which is certainly uh, outstanding. Uh, and then um, you know even better for for the Nasdaq. So um, you know we're recording this on. Tuesday, January 17th, these returns are through uh, Friday, uh, I guess, which was the 13th, right? So, um, you know, Adam, what jumps out at you here? Other than just strong gains, um, any any themes to pull out of last week's market action? Yeah, uh, a couple of things. I just note that small caps are kind of re reasserting themselves in the leadership role. They were underperforming a little bit coming into year end 2022. So you can see there the, the Russell 2000 up over 5% on the month, um, you know, up 3% three, 3 already. Um, I think that was, yeah, as of, as of Friday, as you noted. And then just some of the price action inside the S&P 500, this kind of worst to first phenomenon in terms of the worst performing stocks of 2022, they're actually outperforming by a pretty good margin this year. I looked at the the bottom 20% of the S&P 500 that's again based on their 2022 returns 
average gain there uh, as of Friday was 9.3%. And when you compare that to the top 20% from last year, they're still up, but only 2% on average. So a pretty good gap there between kind of last year's losers and winners, which is a pretty impressive rally so far for some of those names. Yeah, it remains to be seen whether we have this last year's losers or this year's winners uh, pattern throughout the year. But uh, certainly that that has been a very powerful trend. You know, and the average stock doing better than the market cap indexes, certainly something we've seen uh, this year. You know, if you look at the sector performance, it, you know, that same trend is, is evident. Um, we have consumer discretionary, uh, one of the best performers last week and year to date. Uh, one of the biggest losers last year. We have, you know, tech and communication services, same story, really tough 2022, but have had a nice start uh, to this year. So, you know, we'll see how long that pattern lasts, but uh, we continue uh, to like uh, industrials, energy, and healthcare, even though those growth sectors that were hurt last year have led um, so far year to date. I think it's also worth noting that internationals perform really well here over the last month, you can see, you know, gains of around 9%, depending on which uh, market you're looking at uh, for the last 30 days, while the S&P 500 has been, you know, largely flat. So I know that's one of your charts for today, Adam. So we'll, uh, we'll take a look at that uh, here in a minute. You know, fixed income and commodities, um, we had a really strong week in the bond market. I think, you know, this is a reminder, if you go back further, that when rates fall, from higher levels, you can get some pretty strong bond market returns. So um, after the worst year on record last year, uh, we've had a really nice bounce uh, in the bond market, particularly uh, over the last uh, three months there, almost 6% on the ag. Uh, the starting yield really matters. So, um, you know, it's not just yields falling, it's yields falling uh, from a higher level. And then, uh, you know, on the commodity side, I think natural gas, Weakness is probably the biggest story. Uh, we've had pretty mild weather, although I did do some shoveling over the weekend, Adam. My guess is you've had some shoveling. <laughs> given, given We actually had rain here in Milwaukee. I don't know if I'm supposed to complain about rain in the winter in the Midwest, but it was just kind of a dreary, rainy day uh, in the 40s, but no snow on the ground in Milwaukee, at least. So I know my, my father-in-law was actually golfing on Friday up in Green Bay. So wow, <laughs> definitely evidence of uh, some warmer than season, you know, warmer than average seasonal temps here. That is a dedicated golfer right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Boston, we had, um, you know, a few inches, nothing, nothing big. We're, we're used to it up here, but it was definitely a uh, little colder here than it was for you. So uh, and enjoy that unseasonable warmth. Yeah, for now, right? As long, as, long as you have it. So anything here, um, you know, commodities or fixed income that, that jumps out at you before we keep moving? Yeah, I think just the continued volatility in natural gas. That's been a theme going up throughout last year when we had the Russia-Ukraine um, um, invasion and the supplies get basically cut off in Europe. And now you're seeing the reverse side, the downside volatility in natural gas with, you know, some of the above seasonal temps. And it's not just a U.S. story. If you look at some of the, the temperatures around the globe, um, you know, they were a, a much milder than forecasted. So it, that's created a bit of a unanticipated build in in natural gas supply 
in the U.S. and in European natural gas markets. So um, a pretty good sell-off in natural gas um, and, and no real signs of a bottom yet. It's kind of the proverbial falling knife in futures prices right now. Yeah, after those huge rallies last year in, in energy prices, it, it certainly made sense that you'd have a big move lower. That's, you know, that's typically the pattern no matter what the market. Uh, yeah. But maybe this recent move more weather related than than just a natural correction. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep watching natural gas. It's so important for Europe. Uh, and um, it's certainly one of the reasons why European markets have done so well here in uh, in recent weeks. So um, moving on, you know, the chart of the S&P 500, Adam, I mean, it, you know, I read some of your notes this morning on this. I mean, it, you know, you've got good participation and you've got, you know, a little bit of a, well, I'll call it a bullish pattern, at least in my amateur <laughs> technician eyes, you know, maybe, maybe talk me down. Like this looks like a pretty positive setup here. Yeah, and it is really. I mean, when we're, we're finally making some progress, keep in mind, we're, we've been stuck in a downtrend for the last 12 months and we're starting to see evidence of a potential reversal here on the S&P 500 chart. You know, we were previously for the last several weeks pretty much stuck in this kind of 3,800 to 3,900 range. Finally did see a breakout above that level. And then on Friday, we had a bullish engulfing candle um, that recaptured the 200-day moving average. And that, that candlestick basically just means that we opened lower on the day from the previous day and then closed higher. And that range encapsulated the prior day's trading uh, open low range. So a bit technical, but it is a, a good sign, especially when you're right at a downtrend reversal and you're actually recapturing the 200-day moving average. So some some good signs on the candlesticks. And I know there's some some skepticism because we've been here before. You remember we've we've talked about recapturing the 200 day moving average um, late last year. Also had another run in August. Um, and without saying this time is different, I think it's important to at least kind of walk back and, and make at least some comparisons between um, now and then. So when you look at the S&P 500 and just the, the, the chart that I brought with today, can go back to the the November December area where we retested and briefly recaptured the 200 day moving average um, on the middle panel of this chart. That's the the uh, momentum indicator called the MACD or moving average convergence divergence. Um, you can see where that indicator was, and it was pretty much right near the end of a or tr slowly transitioning into a sell signal. So really not a a great um, breakout in terms of confirmation with momentum back in that time frame. Pretty similar setup if you go back to August when we briefly retested the 200-day intraday. That MACD indicator was overbought and basically kind of late cycle, and it slowly rolled into, or rel well, pretty quickly rolled into a sell signal. And then even going back to the March-April time frame, you can see the the momentum indicator MACD was you know, relatively overbought at that time. And now when you compare where it's at today, you can see it's a pretty early innings crossover. So that's what we're looking at with that indicator. Um, the Basically the black line crossing above the red line, that's your, your um, buy signal. So we're relatively early innings here on the, on the momentum confirmation um, instead of, you know, the previous where we're a bit overbought. So I think that's one good sign when we look at momentum. And then when you break down market breadth, 
So on the bottom panel of this chart, it looks at the percentage of stocks that are above their 200-day moving average. So right now you have about two-thirds of the S&P 500 that's back above their 200-day moving average. So that participation in the rally is starting to expand. That gives credibility to it being more sustainable um, as that number continues to increase. Again, if you look back uh, at some of these other prior retests, it was relatively high, but um, not as high as it is today. So we're seeing you know, that percentage at 66.4%. At That's the highest going back to early January of last year. So pretty good setup in terms of breadth. Again, momentum remains bullish. And then, Jeff, when you just think about the macro backdrop, when you compare the prior recaptures of the 200-day, you know, where we were at with um, the Federal Reserve policy, relatively early innings in terms of the rate hike cycle, you know, the 10-year the Treasury yield, for example, was just starting its parabolic breakout or uptrend um, last year when we had some of these other um, attempts to recapture the 200-day. And then, of course, the dollar was was also rallying in a, in a parabolic way. So I think that macro backdrop also helps make the case for this being a bit more sustainable and that the, you know, the October lows um, adds to the evidence there that those were probably the bear market lows um, set with the S&P 500. But definitely still need to clear 4,100. That's the next level of upside here. That would check the box for a higher high being made in the S&P 500. So that would, you know, basically establish that a new uptrend is developing here. Oh, would love to see that. Um, stocks are up a little bit Tuesday morning. I think 40, yeah, right around 40.12. So we'll uh, we'll be watching that. Uh, maybe earnings can be a catalyst for uh, <laughs> yeah. pushing we'll us see, up yeah. there. I mean, the, you know, we haven't had great news on the earnings front. I mean, it's been kind of okay and maybe a touch better than expected, but it's been good enough. Uh, to um, push stocks a little higher Friday and a little higher today. Uh, so, you know, there's a good segue to earnings season and, and we'll look at the banks here in a minute uh, in terms of the, the financial chart. But just to kind of set the stage here, um, you know, earnings season started in earnest Friday. We have about 26 companies, I think, reporting this week. Uh, so it's the first busy week. Uh, it's going to be a tough uh, season, frankly. We have, um, you know, consensus calling for a decline of between three and four percent in earnings year over year. That will be the first decline since 2020. Uh, and um, frankly, based on the macro environment and based on, you know, the amount of upside we got last quarter, uh, it, it's going to be tough to to even get to flat. So we'll call flat maybe the the best case scenario at this point. Uh, remember, we have uh, slower gro global growth, you know, much more challenging growth environment than we had last year. Um, we have a strong dollar year over year, right? It's come back nicely in recent weeks, but, it, you know, the year over year comparison, strong dollar, uh, that is a headwind to earnings uh, produced overseas. Uh, and then we have um, cost pressures from inflation, of course, and those have eased a little bit lately. But on a year-over-year -year basis, the margin environment's really tough. So we, we have a hard time seeing any earnings growth in Q4. Um, although, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean the stock market response uh, to those earnings won't be positive. Um, the 
you know, the guidance matters most, right? Stock prices reflect more about what's going to happen than what already did, uh, already happened. And so uh, this is a chart. This is, by the way, from our weekly market commentary for this week, uh, which you can find on LPL.com. So um, estimates for 2023 earnings are widely expected to be cut dramatically. You know, most, at least most strategists we follow think, you know, we'll go from maybe 220 to 200 in S&P 500 earnings per share. But estimates right now, consensus still, still 230. Uh, granted, they came down 10 bucks last quarter and 10 bucks the quarter before that. Uh, but estimates have held up a little bit better recently. So we've seen a deceleration in the earnings um, estimate decline, uh, which is a good sign. And then, you know, there are some... Um, some macro forces here that suggest that maybe the pessimism have, has gone too far. So first we have, you know, we're coming off of a pretty solid GDP quarter in Q3. And so far Q4 is setting up to be, you know, pretty good, maybe 2%, maybe a little bit better uh, based on the data we've seen so far. Uh, so that's positive. Europe has been very resilient, right? More resilient than expected. And so that, could help support earnings uh, in 2023. We have um, China opening, right? And that certainly, you know, could be good for growth. It could also be good for inflation, uh, depending on the supply chain side. Although, as I mentioned before, it could be bad for inflation uh, because of that additional growth potentially being inflationary. But nonetheless, overall for earnings, we think China opening is positive. Um, and so you sort of bake all that together and 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 maybe you end up with like $5 hit to earnings um, expectations in 2023, but we don't think we're going to go down 10 or $15 this quarter, uh, like many expect. So um, Adam, what, what are your thoughts here? Um, does anything there sound kind of hard to believe or um, yeah. anything I missed maybe that you would point out? No, I, I think that's a great summary. You know, I think it's relatively balanced. And when you think about what's happened over last year, I mean, the S&P 500 was was down, call it 20%. So, you know, some of this discounting, um, I think, has been done. TBD on, you know, what what that number looks like. But yeah, I, I think the earnings narrative, it, it's a, a challenge, especially when you look at what's happening on the technical side, it's starting to improve. Clearly, um, the earnings backdrop is not necessarily conducive of a big rally here for the S&P 500. So those stories um, don't necessarily align, but we haven't really seen the, the, the breakout yet or the reversal on the S&P 500. But I think, you know, hearing you go through some of the, the rationale, it, it speaks to a lot of the negative sentiment that's that's in the market right now and around earnings. So I think you know what I what I hear is a, a relatively low bar. I don't um, for earnings, so maybe it's kind of this um, better than feared type of environment that we're going into for for Q4 or, or even as we look ahead to 2023. Sentiment is it really can't get much worse. I don't think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's there's pessimism everywhere. It, it's a it's a bull market for pessimism, for sure. <laughs> so like uh, better than feared sums it up. I mean, we, you know, soft landing is still less likely, but 
if we do get something like a muddle through and, you know, maybe it's not a technical recession, it's just sort of, you know, a tiny bit of a decline in overall economic activity, uh, that could, you know, set earnings up to to surprise to, to the upside in, in, in 2023, again, relative to those pessimistic expectations. And we know the consumer uh, still has a lot of cash. Consumer balance sheets are in good shape. The job market's in good shape. So there are reasons to think that maybe, um, you know, we get something like 210 or 220 in earnings this year uh, from the S&P, not, not 200 or less, which is what a lot of the recession playbooks will tell you. Um, so um, the last thing on earnings, um, we we did attribution. This is from our quant team, uh, led by Tom Ship, and the quant team just looked at, you know, estimate revisions and whether they were predictive of outperformance or not last year, and they were. So if you look at the best earnings revision stocks last year, they outperformed by about six point five percentage points. So um, this is a way of telling you that earnings really matter. This helps stock pickers, by the way, too. Uh, active managers. Uh, if if earnings matter, uh, then we want to pay closer attention to earnings season, and our our um, our assessment as they do. So um, I'll go back to you on on this, Adam. So banks got a, I don't know, mixed reviews for their start to earnings season, right? A lot. I heard a lot of mild recession coming, right? Which granted prepares them or prepares us uh, for um, you know tough times ahead, and sometimes that can lead to overly pessimistic expectations. Um, what do you see here on the financials chart? Uh, and, um, you know, kind of how does that sync up with what we heard from the uh, from the banks last week? Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting when you look at the S&P 500 financial sector, because basically we're coming into earnings season or, or kicking off earnings, se earnings season right at this inflection point on the technical side. So if you look at the, the setup here, we basically created um, a double bottom off, off support going back to the pandemic highs. And you're consolidating right below the August highs at, at 602. Um, so not, not enough evidence to suggest that we're seeing a breakout within the financial sector, but we are seeing some, some improvements in overall momentum. Um, you can see the 50-day the crossing above the 200-day the moving average. So that's a, a bullish crossover in the technical world. So that does suggest, you know, there, there could be a potential breakout on the absolute price chart. And then when you look at the, the ratio chart, it's really interesting because basically the financial sector versus the S&P 500 has, has gone nowhere for the last, call it, year and a half, two years. Um, it's just been consolidating sideways. And now that ratio chart is right at the upper end of that range. So it's kind of make or break for the financial sector in terms of relative performance. If we do see a breakout here, that would be indicative of financial sector leadership, obviously a good sign for the sector. And then I think a good sign for the market, really, when you think about the, the nature of the financial sector, it is more cyclical or offensive. You do want to see those offensive sectors lead the market out of a bottom. You know, prior to this, we've seen, you know, utilities, staples, healthcare some of the more defensive names outperform the S&P 500. So I think if we can see that rotational shift at the leadership level, that would add to the evidence of, um, you know, this, this market rally, at least in the S&P 500, being a little bit more sustainable. I would just note that within the financial sector, obviously it's not just banks. Some of that leadership inside of here has been really driven by the insurance space. 
which is a bit more defensive when you compare it to the banking space. So would want to see some of the, you know, the regional banks or, you know, the banking sector across the board start to pick up relative strength as well. Haven't really seen that quite yet. We'll see how earnings season shakes out with some of the banks. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, we had some, I don't know, negative reaction to the Goldman earnings this morning. And then we had, you know, Morgan Stanley, which is more uh, wealth management driven, do better. And, and that stock actually was initially higher on earnings. So um, it's, um, I don't know, the bank results have been kind of, and the reactions have been kind of all over the map. Um, I guess you could say we're kind of taking the, uh, the easy way out. The LPR Research House view is neutral on on uh, financials hard to get hurt when you're neutral uh but we'll see if we can get this breakout and and you know maybe um some yield curve relief uh that can help this sector um break through so adam you mentioned offense defense so you know obviously financials are a little more of an offense play this is um this is another way to measure offense versus defense right it's equal weight consumer discretionary versus equal weight staples yeah, so we, we use the equal way just to eliminate some of the, the mega cap um, names within each sector or the larger cap weightings. Um, so just to get a little bit more balanced approach um, in determining the, you know, kind of this offense versus defense shift. And this is a ratio chart comparing those two sectors. So when the ratio chart's moving higher, that's indicating that consumer discretionary is outperforming staples. So we'll call that offense you know, on the field versus, versus defense. And then on the flip side, obviously, when it's moving lower, you have the more defensive staples outperforming discretionary. And I thought it was a, an interesting chart to bring today, just given where that the, the technical setup is here for that ratio chart. You know, you've basically kind of consolidated sideways um, from, you know, June to December. And now you're starting to see that rotational shift with consumer discretionary outperforming. Um, you can see it's it's breaking out to multi-month highs and it's also back above its key moving averages. So something we're watching to see if this will continue. I think another good sign for the, the market if this moves higher, you know, when, it, when this ratio chart's moving higher, it usually coincides with the S&P moving higher. So especially coming out of a, a bottom, you know, this, is, this would be another piece of evidence um, for the technical case for at least those bear market lows being set on the S&P 500. Moving on to the 10-year treasury yield. Uh, so this chart to me, Adam, is really interesting. You know, right at support. If, if uh, you know, from a technical perspective, how low could we go if we break that 350? I think we're at 353 this morning. Yeah, we did see a little bounce this morning. So that's the, the key level that we've been watching. Um, that that lines up with the June highs on the 10-year Treasury yield, and then also an uptrend that's been in place um, for the last several months. So we're starting to see that potentially roll over here. Um, so if we do break 350, you do have the, the 2018 highs and then the rising 200-day moving average right around 325, we'll call it. So that would be the next major area of downside support. And um, that 325 level is gonna be key because when you zoom way out into a multi-year timeframe, that that 2018 high was the actual breakout point um, for 10 year breaking out of a bottom. So if we do pierce that level to the downside, um, that would be a pretty, 
um, bearish sign for treasury yields, not not prices. Um, and, you know, get you back to maybe the 3% level on the 10 year. So that's going to be another a key level to watch if we get below 325. When you look at momentum, again, this is another look at the, the MACD indicator on the bottom panel. You did just get a sell signal as well. So some of the momentum signs that we're seeing do, do point to more downside in the 10 year. Um, so we'll see if that plays out or, or you know, we got decent amount of economic data. We also have uh, the Bank of Japan influencing um, some of the, the global rates as well with their policy decision tomorrow. So we'll see how this looks by the end of the week. Yeah, absolutely. This is, uh, you know, I, I mentioned inflation as being probably the most important thing for determining market direction, but it ties closer to yields. And so if we can get through the week uh, with, you know, all the Fed speakers and the uh, the BOJ and economic data, uh, we got the beige book coming, get through all of that yeah. and yields are at 350 or lower. I think that's that's going to be uh, market positive, certainly. And, and evidence that the Fed maybe is getting closer to um, ending its rate hiking campaign than maybe uh, some people think. So that's cool that the um, developed international, I think is one that we're getting a lot of questions on Adam in the LPR research department, considering how much outperformance we've seen relative to uh, the domestic markets uh, over the last um, you know couple of months. So boy, this looks like a really bullish pattern. Um, and we've become you know, a little bit more positive in our uh, asset allocation on international. Do you think this is um, maybe suggesting that we have to, you know, up that again? Yeah, I, I think the, just looking at the progress, I think it's been relatively surprising when you look at some of the economic data um, from the de developed international markets. Um, but again, it was, you know, it sold off 35% from the high. So you kind of have to put that into context. But when you kind of look at, break down the MSCI developed market or developed international um, index here, you know, you've reversed this declining price channel that's been in place for, for over a year. And now you're starting to get back above your pandemic highs and your key moving averages. So um, it might be a little bit overbought from a tactical standpoint right here, but you can see the, the direction um, is, has clearly been higher. Same on the ratio chart. When you look at the the EFA index versus the S&P 500, um, I didn't zoom all the way out, but the, the downtrend that you can clearly see here, that's been in place for, for several, several years. So it's really been more of a secular downtrend. And now there's evidence that that downtrend is being reversed. You can see the, the ratio charts back above its um, 50 and 200 day moving averages, also back above the summer highs. So you're starting to see you know, higher highs, higher lows being made on the ratio chart. Um, so more evidence of, of potential for developed international to continue outperforming. I think one, one factor of this too um, is just looking at Japan. That's the largest weighting within this index. I think it's around just over 20%. So there is a little bit of risk there when you break it down on a weighting basis, depending on how the, the Bank of Japan um what kind of volatility happens with their monetary policy. Um, I know the looking at the Nikkei 225, that's not really the greatest technical setup. It's kind of at the lower end, lower end of its uh, range right now. So something I'm watching within developed international, I'm just looking at some of the Japanese markets, but definitely uh, making a lot of progress here. 
on the technical side. Yeah, it's really been more of a Europe story, the resilience there with, you know, energy prices cooperating. Uh, so let's let's wrap up with just a quick look uh, at, at the week ahead, Adam. We've got retail sales this week, which is really evidence that sales were pulled forward. You've also got, you know, gas prices falling, certainly, but looking for, um, at least based on consensus, a decline in retail sales to end the holiday shopping season. Uh, producer price index is, of course, with inflation so important, going to get a lot of attention. Hopefully it confirms what we already saw in the CPI uh, last week, which was um, a cooling. Uh, I mentioned the beige book, and then we've got uh, Janet Yellen uh, meeting with uh, the Chinese vice premier in Davos, which was unexpected. And, you know, maybe um, maybe there's a path towards a less combative relationship between the U.S. and China. We'll see. We're not holding our breath, but that'll be uh, a big newsmaker this week. And then earnings, just a barrage um, of, of earnings, as I mentioned, um, 26 companies. And then next week, it gets even busier. So here's the full calendar um, highlighting the two key reports, uh, PPI and, and retail sales. Frankly, there's really nothing else here, in my view, that's going to be broad market moving. But, um, you know, we will get some some housing data that um, you know certainly tied to the broad inflation story and and obviously there's a number of companies that are um, leveraged to the housing markets and then you know internationally the boj you mentioned adam we also have a lot of european inflation data uh this week so that will get some attention they they are of course much higher than we are you know the you know germany uh eight and a half plus uh italy 12 uh, the UK is um, 10, 6, you know, I mean, these are big, big numbers. So uh, obviously the market in Europe doing better, it's partly the falling dollar, but also suggests some optimism that these high inflation numbers aren't going to last. Uh, and that just like in the US, inflation has peaked. So those are really the only, um, uh, I think, data points to that'll be market moving this week. Did I miss anything, Adam? No, I think you got it there. All right, great. So um, let's go ahead and, and wrap there. So thanks, Adam, for uh, the, the technical uh, analysis insights. Um, it's great to be back uh, with you on Market Signals after taking a few months off to, to take care of my family. Uh, but uh, everything is good. And so I uh, look forward to being with you more in the future. I think it's maybe it's going to be like, like Forrest Gump, right? You never know what you're going to get in a box of chocolates. Well, you never know what what you're going to get when you tune into market signals either. So you probably get myself, Adam and Mark a fair amount, uh, but we'll mix in, uh, you know, Lawrence and Jeff and, and Quincy too uh, over time. So um, thank you as, as always for joining uh, and um, we'll look forward to uh, talking to you next week. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally 
generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.